Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. Well, Gal, I am so excited to be your new junior high pastor. As Pastor Tim was saying, we just moved here. Um, it's been absolutely wild last week, especially because Sunday I show up, I met a lot of you guys at junior high small groups. Who comes to junior high small groups in here? Let's go. Got a good number of you. If you are just going into sixth grade, you may have no idea what junior high small groups is. So I want to give you just a little bit of info. So, of course, Wednesday nights we have our weekly services. That's what's going on in the summers. We have all sorts of fun. We have summer surge at 530. And then we, after service, we're about to play more games, have a food truck, all this crazy stuff. Did you guys know that? We have a food truck. We have more games. Summers are a party. But then what we also have going on on Sundays is small groups. Everyone say small groups. So with small groups, we come every Sunday, we have some time for worship, we have a quick devotion, a quick game, and then we take some time just to, to get to know each other, to talk, to kind of be family. Look around this room. Go ahead and just look around. Don't, don't make eye contact with the, the person you already know. Look, look at some people that you don't know. There's a lot of us in this room, right? There's like a hundred, maybe more. There's a lot of people in here that you probably don't know. Am I right? Give me a nod if I'm right. You know everyone. That would be pretty incredible. There's a lot of people in here you probably don't know. So what I want to challenge you guys to do is if you can come to Sunday small groups, get to know each other. Make it a point to say, hey, I've never met this person. Go ahead and be like, hey, my name is uh, Job. That's a really weird name choice. I don't know another Job. Hey, what's your name? And that's kind of how you get to know friends, all right? So my name. I've already said my name. I'm Pastor Mateo. Oh, okay, thank you very much. That was very nice of you. Very nice. Somebody say, God of miracles. Who has been here the last one or two weeks? Okay, so you kind of know this series that we've been in called God of Miracles. We had, <laughs> too soon, too soon, too soon. But we opened up this series talking about how Jesus is God. Everyone say, Jesus is God. We talked about Jesus healing the man that was paralyzed in Mark 2. Then we talked about the man with the withered hand. In Mark 3, if you're here on Sunday, you heard me talking in a really weird, disgusting way, like wondering what this withered hand looked like. It was, it was, it was unnecessary, but I was curious. I don't know. But we talked about how Jesus shows that he is Lord through the story of the man with the withered hand. Today we're going to hit Mark 4. So if you have your Bibles, raise up your, if you have like a physical Bible, come on. We got a few. Wave it up. Wave it up like you're proud to have this paper Bible. Oh, that, that's not a piece of paper, my bruh. Not a piece of paper, my bruh. Okay, some of you guys got the paper Bible. If you have the paper Bible or a good old phone, you can pull up Mark 4. If you're going to have it on your phone, though, I'd love if you put it on Do Not Disturb. I know you guys would probably love to respond to some texts, but that's not what this time is for. So go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 4. And once you get it, say, I'm there. All right, Mark chapter 4, we're going to be hitting verse, verses 35 through 41, and it'll be up on the screens. Here we go. It says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, this is Jesus, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took, they took with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. I just need to pause. I would love to be a deep sleeper like Jesus. This dude is in like a full-on hurricane going on, and this dude's just like, just out, just slithered, which would be really nice. My wife and I's apartment, there's, like, right behind us, there's, like, this landscaping yard. So, like, at 7 a.m., you hear, like, rocks dumping into trucks. And I'm like, I wish I could sleep deep like Jesus. So I'm inspired by the story. But asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? In other words, do you not care that we're about to die? And, said, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace. Be still. Everyone say peace. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Everyone say faith. And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are with us in this room. Jesus, I thank you that as we worship together, as we fix our eyes on you, Lord, that you see every single person in this room. Every single sixth, seventh, and eighth grader, every single young man, young woman, that you see us. That you are a God who is so powerful. We see all these incredible miracles that you do, but yet you love us so much that you came and you died on the cross for us. That you pursue us and you want relationship with us. So I thank you for every single one of these students in this room. I thank you, Lord, that you have called them by name. That you desire them to know who you are. To know how you are powerful, how you are peace, how you are loving. So I pray tonight that you would give us focus as we lean into your word, that you would bring us great peace, that you would bring us great joy as we learn more of who you are and as we know you deeper. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. All right, so we have this crazy story in Mark 4. There's this windstorm on the Sea of Galilee. Now the Sea of Galilee is this, um, this super big sea. I, there's like really no seas like near America. There's like oceans or like lakes. So I hear sea. I'm like, I don't have a good picture for it. But imagine this massive lake. Like we're thinking like the uh, Lake, Lake, Michi- lake Michigan. Okay, huge lake. And there's mountains on this side and desert on this side. Alright, you guys tracking so far? You got like imagine Pikes Peak. Definitely was not that tall. We got like Pikes Peak and then you have the desert. So what happens? Who like here really loves looking at the weather? That might be like a weird hobby, but like, raise your hand. Yes, with, with pride. You said yes. Okay, so this is like you know, basic weather stuff. Hot, hot weather, cold weather comes together, makes crazy storm. And that's the extent of the weather knowledge I know. There we go. But, so we have these crazy storms that happen over the Sea of Galilee. And what happens here is we have all these fishermen in this boat. Most of Jesus' disciples were fishermen. So they were used to storms. They fished on the Sea of Galilee. So what this tells us, this storm was insane. I want you to picture like hurricane, like crazy rain, crazy waves, crazy wind. Literally their boat is filling up. Now we see in these last two weeks of our series in God, God of Miracles that he does healings. I want to say healings. So we see him heal a man that's paralyzed. We see him heal a man with a, a withered hand. 
But then this, this week, we get to Mark 4, and it's almost like the author, Mark, is like kind of gradually building it. Do you kind of see, like, if you're writing a story, who, who loves writing in here? Yes, love it. I love writing. I want to keep getting better at it. I'm not great at, like, fiction stuff. But when you're writing the story, you have the rising action, right? You got the rising action. So we have, like, this really incredible miracle of, like, healing a paralyzed man and, like, this withered hand. Who knows what it looked like, but God, Jesus heals that. And then all of a sudden, we have the sea, we have this act of nature where Jesus literally calms the wind and the waves. It's almost like Mark is building up. He's like, he can heal people, and he's also sovereign over, like, the weather. He's also sovereign over the sea and the sky, the wind. It's this, like, crazy story where Mark is building up to show how incredible Jesus is. Now, I want you guys to put yourself in the disciples' shoes, okay? Think about it. you're stuck on this boat. And it, like you are being tossed around. Or maybe, maybe think about just a time in your life where you have been utterly terrified. Go ahead and visualize it and visualize it. Pick a moment. Some of these are very traumatic, but some of these looking back can be kind of, kind of funny. But when I was thinking about, okay, what would, what would it feel like to be one of the disciples in this boat? You are terrified. You feel hopeless. You're literally thinking, I am going to die today. Um, about a year ago, I was driving to Canyon, Texas. Has anyone ever been to Canyon, Texas? Houston's pretty far away. Texas is a huge state. You've been to Canyon, Texas, like over by Amarillo? Okay, so a few of you know what I'm talking about. So it's this tiny, tiny little town. Mr. Aiden Corley was just in here. He's from Canyon, Texas. He just left. But so it's this tiny little town in Texas. So I was about to go play like a, um, a student ministries retreat out there in Canyon, Texas for my friend Aiden with Pastor Victor. So I had to drive from Tulsa to Canyon, Texas. Now, if you know anything about like Oklahoma area and also anything about like the panhandle of Texas, there's nothing but like godforsaken land. Like it's like as far as you can see, just, just darkness. I'm sorry if you're from like Amarillo or you love that area. It's just not me. It's just not me. But I'm, I'm doing this drive. It's like a six-hour drive. And so I start in the daylight, really cool sunset. It's like I'm watching the sunset like over, over the desert or something there's nothing out there. And all of a sudden, it's pitch black. All right? I'm driving the car by myself. It's pitch black. I'm like three hours into the drive. So I have this awful, awful habit of waiting to fill up my gas way too long. Do any of your parents have that habit? Like you're driving with them, you look over and it's like, bro, you're on empty. And is that any of your parents? Okay, I hope not so that you're safe. But apparently it's a lot of you. So I have this very bad habit um, of not filling up my gas um, like fast enough. I, I've never run out of gas. But I'm always like very, very low, cutting it close. And so I was like, you know what, Mateo, be wise. Once you're at like a quarter of a tank, like look to fill up. Like that's, that's responsible, right? So I'm thinking that to myself. So I'm driving through the middle of nowhere. So I'm like, okay, Next gas station I see, I'm stopping there. So I see a gas station way out there because there's nothing out there I can see like 30 miles away. So I'm driving, I'm driving, I get up on the ramp, but then all of a sudden the ramp to get up to the gas station is closed. Like the road is closed. And I was like, oh, this is weird, but it's okay, I got enough gas. I get back on the highway, I'm driving, then I see another gas station. I'm like, praise God, this is like from him. And then all of a sudden I pull up to the gas station and it's closed. Like, it's, it's not even a real, like, gas station. Like, there's no gas pumps in, like, I don't like the gas towers, if that's what you call it. There's just nothing there. And I'm like, 
all right, I'm starting to get lower. I'm starting to get lower. So now I'm starting to freak out. I have this moment of terror because I'm realizing my cell phone has no service. I'm in the middle of nowhere, and I'm getting low on gas. What on earth am I going to do if I'm stuck between Tulsa, Oklahoma, the middle of nowhere, and Canyon, Texas? I drive up to the third gas station, and at this point, I'm running low, low. And what, what happens? The gas station's closed. And so I'm sitting there. It was the, the road is closed. So I couldn't get up there. So finally, like 10 miles down the line, I am, my gas light's on. I have very little gas. And thank God he provided a gas station. I made it. But the feeling that I felt in that moment is this great terror like, oh, God, I am going to die in the middle of nowhere, Texas. No one's even going to know that I died because I'm in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Like, it's this terrifying moment. <laughs> but if you think about what the disciples were feeling, it was, it was this, this moment of terror where they were utterly out of control. All right? Just utterly out of control. There's nothing they could do against the storm. So put yourself in their shoes. Think about your most terrifying moment you've ever had. Imagine that feeling that you felt. And that's what the disciples are feeling as they're on the sea. What we see here is that Jesus' authority over nature is so astounding to the disciples. If we go ahead and look at verse 41 of on the screen, verse 41, it says, And they were filled with great fear. Everyone say, great fear. And said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? They have this moment of awe that they realize, like, Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus is not just a guy that can do a few, like, physical healings. No, no. Jesus literally can control the sea and the wind. It's this moment of great awe. And you see, the story does show that Jesus is power and that he is fully God, which is one of uh, Mark's points. Pastor Tim kind of talked about the context that Mark writes to, to these Gentiles that have never heard of the law. They've never heard of the Old Testament. They don't know about God at all. And so Mark is showing these people like, hey, Jesus is God. So he's showing this. So as much as this story does show that, it also shows us where Jesus is in the midst of our greatest storms. I want to go ahead and turn to Matthew 14. If you have your Bible, go ahead and go to Matthew 14. If you have a journal, you can write that on Matthew 14, verses 22 through 23. It's going to be up on the screen. This is a very familiar story. It's very similar to the story we just read. It says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. Once again, this is Jesus. And go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. So the disciples in the boat, they're far off into the sea, and Jesus is over in the land, probably in some cool like garden, some cool spot, praying. And in the fourth watch, which I looked this up, I was like, what is the fourth watch? Like, we don't talk about that. It's like 3 a.m., okay? So it, depending on if you're a morning person or a night person, that's either a very late night if you're a night person or like a really, really early morning if you like getting up early. Like 3 a.m. is a very intense time to be, to be awake. So in the, in, the, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. Everyone said they were terrified. And said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Everyone say fear. fear. Very nice. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, 
It is I, do not be afraid. Let's go to the next slide. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to, command me to come to you on the water. Now, I need to pause here. I, I was reading this today, and I just had this thought go through my mind. If, I think Peter is, like, tripping, tripping in this. Because he says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out on the water. Like, first of all, if it wasn't Jesus, like, who is this walking on the water? It's probably a ghost. But then, also, it's like, I feel like anyone could just say, like, come, and then Peter would have drowned. But he, I guess he really trusted that he knew the Lord's voice. That's crazy. I want to have that type of faith. So he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Everyone say afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Everyone knows this, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. So I want to compare these two passages real quick. So think about where we have the boat where Jesus is asleep, he's snoring, he's sound asleep, and his disciples come and wake him up, and it's like, we're about to die. And in this passage, where we have Jesus walking on the water, coming to his disciples, and I'm sure the disciples were still thinking, we're going to die, because there's some dude walking on the water towards them, like God knows what that is. They, they, they were terrified, as it says. But in this passage, we see that Jesus seems distant, in both of these stories, Jesus is asleep in one of them, and the disciples feel like, come on, like, Jesus, like, where are you? Like, we need you. Like, wake up. Like, we're about to die. And in this story, Jesus wasn't with them. He's walking towards them. But in the midst of a storm, they felt like Jesus wasn't going to be there for them. We see also that this, the disciples are terrified. We've, we've got that down now. We see that the storm is completely out of their control. At this point, the disciples are, they might as well just be, like, just something in the middle of the ocean, just getting, just getting rocked. And they had no control over the storm. We also see, pay attention to this, Jesus does not stop the storm from coming. Jesus doesn't stop the storm from coming. We see in the Gospel of Mark that the disciples were in a massive storm and Jesus was sleeping on the boat. And these were people that already were following Jesus. They were following him, learning about his ways, seeing his miracles, seeing that he was God. And yet, these are the people that go through a storm. We see in the Gospel of Matthew that, um, I lost my place, that Jesus, when Peter walks onto the water, it's not calm, right? It said that when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So when Peter walks out onto the water, imagine if I could walk on like the air to be like Peter. Peter gets out of the boat, and, and the wind is still going. And the waves are still going. We see this faith. But in both of these circumstances, the storm is still happening. Jesus doesn't actually stop the storm from happening. And this is what I want to tell you guys. And this is a harsh truth, but lean into this with me because this is important. We're going to have it up on the screen. What I want to say is that Jesus' promise of peace is not dependent on our circumstances. Write that down. Jesus' promise of peace is not dependent on our circumstances. Now what does this mean? What does this mean? I think so often when people start following Jesus, we often think that it's going to be like signing up for a good life. How many of you guys have been there? 
You're like, oh, I'll follow Jesus so I can, like, have a good life. I can have friends at church, and I'm not going to go through anything hard. And, like, I get a get-out-of-jail-free card. Jail equals hell. Like, I get to go to heaven. Like, life's good. Like, this, this all seems pretty, pretty easy. But I want to tell you guys that this is actually not the true gospel. We often think the gospel promises that we won't go through difficult circumstances. But, and what we see here is the disciples were so afraid a, because they felt like Jesus was distant, but B, because they're sitting there saying, wait, like, why is Jesus letting us go through this storm? They're so terrified that they really come to Jesus saying, like, do you even care that we're about to die? And what we see here is that even Jesus, Jesus being with them does not stop the storms from coming. Okay, I want you guys to remember that. We're going to hit that in just a little bit. Now let's look at Jesus' response back in Mark. We're going to go ahead and put Mark 4 back up. Jesus asked the disciples, have you still no faith? Everyone say, no faith. Now when we read this, this can, this can seem a little savage, right? Like Jesus is saying, like, have you still no faith? It almost sounds like he's kind of coming at his disciples, like, get your act together. But if you, but if you read into the original language of this, you actually see that Jesus is really asking where is your faith? Or who do you put your faith in? Who do you put your faith in? You see, the disciples may have been putting their hope in never going through storms because they had Jesus. Many of us, maybe we put our faith in Jesus because we say, if I got Jesus, things won't go wrong. What happens when, when life gets hard? Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Don't be talking to your neighbor right now. What happens when we go through these storms in our life? We have parents getting divorced and we're saying, Jesus, where are you? We're, we're looking and we're seeing friends leaving the faith and we say, Jesus, where are you? We have, we have difficulty in our life. It might be a physical ailment. It might be mental health. You might be struggling with fear or depression, anxiety, and you might be saying, Jesus, where are you? I thought that if I, was, if I was following you, that I wasn't going to be struggling with these. I wouldn't be going through these things because I, I have you. But the, when Jesus asks, have you still no faith? He's not asking, you know, why, why do you have doubt or why, why can't you get yourself to believe more? Because faith is not about how much, um, how, how much faith we have or never fearing or doubting. But faith is actually about the object of our trust. I want you to write that down if you have a notebook. Faith is about the object of our trust. It's not in having enough where, okay, if you have enough faith, you won't go through trials. And if you don't have enough faith, sorry, like that sucks, get better, but you're going to go through hard stuff now. Faith, faith is not saying, get yourself there, try to, try to stir yourself up and get there to believe, okay, I have no doubt, have no doubt, have no doubt. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been there where I felt like I've had to try to get myself to faith. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. I realize that that's difficult. Let me tell you, that's not the faith that Jesus calls us to. He doesn't call us to never have doubt. Jesus doesn't call us to never feel fear. But what Jesus does call us to is to fix our eyes on him as the object of our trust. I was reading. I was reading this book as I was preparing for this this message, and um, it used this analogy where he, the the author was saying, "Imagine you're falling down a cliff. All right, everyone, picture 
God, God forbid that anyone falls off a cliff. But so imagine you're falling off a cliff, and while you're falling down this cliff, you see this branch. You have to have some pretty quick reaction time to be like falling to your death, like freaking out and be like, oh, a branch. But just go with it. Just go with it. So you're falling down this cliff, and as you're falling down this cliff, you see this branch. Now, some people would say, well, faith is looking at the branch and thinking, is this strong enough to catch me? Is this, if I, if I grab this, will it be able to hold on to me? Because if not, then I'm not going to grab it. But if it is, then I'll grab it. Can you imagine someone doing that? Like, that would be, that'd be incredibly stupid. And also, like, you couldn't do that because you're just freaking out. Like, ah, I'm falling. Like, you're not thinking about, like, this branch looks like it has, like, a, a thick trunk. And if I grab it, like, it'll hold me up. Like, no, no one's doing that. What faith is is that if you're falling down a cliff and you see a branch, you reach for it. You've reached for it, and you, and you just believe it's going to catch you. You haven't done, like, the, the analysis of, is this branch going to catch me? What faith is, it's not about how much you know or never doubting or never having fear. It's actually about the object. Faith in this instance of the cliff would be grabbing for the branch. I, maybe you can feel it. I don't know. But it's, it's grabbing on to the branch, and what, and what this means here in the context of the story is that it's not the quality of your faith that saves you. Everyone lean in. Also, no one could go to the bathroom for the next just like 10, 15 minutes, okay? You guys are 6th, 7th, 8th graders. I want to address you guys as young men, young women. So if you guys are going to the bathroom, you're missing the message, okay? So I'm just going to ask that for you guys. But it's not the quality of your faith that saves you. It's the object of your faith. We're going to put that up on the screen. It's not the quality of your faith that saves you. It's the object of your faith. And friends, what I want you to hear is this. Everyone look at me. When we look at this story, Jesus is not getting on to the disciples saying, stop doubting and get your act together. He's not coming at them harshly and wagging his finger. Instead, he's calling them, hey, I'm not going to let you drown. Listen, I'm, I'm with you. Listen, you don't need to be afraid, not because you're never going to go through storms. Storms are scary. Storms are scary, okay? We, we all feel fear because we're human. But Jesus doesn't say don't fear. Jesus, Jesus calls his people to put their faith in him. Not faith in my circumstances are always going to be okay, because that will let you down. Not faith in, well, well, my life is going to be perfect because I'm a Christian and nothing bad's going to happen. No, what Jesus calls us to is to put our faith in him. Now, what is this connection between faith and peace? We said that our God statement today is Jesus is, is peace. And this is what I want to say. When we ask the question, what gives us peace? First of all, I want to define peace. A lot of times we think peace is just like like just like a little bit of like you get a nice breath and like it's calm. But I would say that a real definition of peace is wholeness. Everyone say wholeness. And if you look at the Hebrew word shalom, how many people have heard the word shalom? That's, that's what it means. It means peace. But this word peace means, it means wholeness. It means, it means assurance. It's not just like a little like, oh, I feel calm now. I got the essential oils going. I got a cup of tea. I'm like... I feel calm. It's not the same thing as calm. What peace is, is this deep assurance and wholeness of Jesus has got me. Are you tracking with me? What peace is, is saying, Jesus, 
Jesus has me in his hands. What we see here is three reasons why we have peace. We're going to throw it up here. First of all, it's that Jesus is sovereign over all things. Someone say sovereign. Jesus is sovereign over all things. This is what we see in this miracle account. If you're on your phones right now, if you can get off and look at me. If you're writing down notes, you're good. But Jesus is sovereign. What we see in this passage is that Jesus is sovereign over all things. We see in Mark 2 and Mark 3 that he is sovereign over physical ailments and diseases. But then we also see in Mark 4, he is literally over all of creation. The wind and the waves obey him. And we see the disciples like freak out when, when they see this. They're like, oh my gosh. Like Jesus literally told the waves to stop and just like boom. Like just like crystal clear. Jesus shows his sovereignty over all things. And brothers and sisters, this is, this is why this matters. If Jesus is sovereign over all things, that means nothing catches him by surprise. Okay, nothing catches him by surprise. So when you go through pain or difficulty, Jesus isn't sitting there like, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Like, I need to figure out how I'm going to like do something with this. Jesus knows that we're going to go through things, which leads us to the second thing, that Jesus makes all things work for the good of those who love him. That's Romans 8.28, that he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him. Now, this, this verse sounds really good, right? Like how many people want everything to work out for the good? Yes, I, I, do, I do. This verse sounds really good, but then when we compare it to these passages, we say, well, hold up. I don't feel like a storm was, was too good for the disciples. The wind, like hitting Peter, all of a sudden he's walking on the water, which makes him like collapse. Like that probably wasn't too good for Peter. That doesn't seem like all things work together for the good of those who love him. But this is what this means, brothers and sisters is that Jesus knows what's best for you and I. He knows what's best. So even when we would choose, like, I would choose to never go through a storm, personally. I would be terrified. I wouldn't want to be scared. But think about what the disciples get out of this. The disciples are terrified, and Jesus calms the wind and the waves, and what do they have a revelation of? Wow, Jesus is sovereign. Wow, Jesus is so powerful that he can control all things, that he sees all things, that his power is so great that he is over all things. That's what gives us peace. And I would rather go through storms where I see Jesus time and time again break through and where I see Jesus time and time again redeem things rather than never go through storms and I don't really know who Jesus is. Everyone look at me, everyone look at me. I'd rather go through storms where Jesus redeems me rather than really knowing how Jesus is my peace. You don't really understand how Jesus is your peace unless you're going through storms. You don't understand how much you need Jesus until you feel like you need him, until you're reaching out and saying, God, I need you. And that's when he comes through. The last thing, and the band can come on up, is that Jesus is present. Everyone say, Jesus is present. We see in both of these stories that although Jesus seemed distant to the disciples, he wasn't distant at all. Everyone look at me. I know they're really cool, but stick with me. 
in these stories, the disciples are, are afraid. Because Jesus is asleep or Jesus is, you know, not in the boat with them. And they feel like he's distant. I'm sure many of you in this room have felt like Jesus is distant before. Raise your hand if you felt that. You can be honest here. I know I've felt that many times in my life. Where I'm looking at difficult things in my life. I'm looking at questions that I don't understand in my life. And Jesus feels distant. He's not breaking through the way that I want him to. I want him to change the circumstance. I want him to shift things. But I don't see him working how I want him to. My brothers and sisters, this is what we see in both of these stories. We see that Jesus is present in our storms. He's present in our storms. In Mark 4, when the disciples are being tossed by the wind and the waves, what happens? They go and wake Jesus up. And Jesus has been there the whole time. He's been there the whole time. They could have woken him up earlier. They could have said, hey, like, Jesus, we're, we're a little afraid. This storm is picking up. Like, would you come with us? We, we need peace. But they come to him in this moment of desperation and saying, do you not care that we're about to die? Do you not care that we're about to drown? And Jesus was there the whole time. We see that in the midst of this great storm in, in Matthew 14. What does Jesus do? He walks on the water towards, towards his people, towards his disciples. Then he calls Peter to come out and walk on the water. Gives Peter this epic once-in-a-lifetime moment. He's walking on water. And then he, he, he feels the wind coming. And he moves his eyes off Jesus. And all of a sudden he realizes, what, what am I about to do? I, I'm, I'm going to drown. But what, is, what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do? He pulls out his hand. He grabs him. Could Jesus have grabbed him if he wasn't there? No, no, no. Jesus was present and he was able to pull Peter out. And friends, this is what I want you to know. This is so important because I know, I know some of your stories. There's a lot of stories represented in this room all over the place. Some of you guys are going through some really difficult things right now. I don't know what it all is. You may be battling with fear and anxiety. You may be battling with loneliness. You feel like you've got no one around you. Some of you feel like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this, this Christian thing. I've been trying really hard. And I'm just I'm running out of strength. Some of you guys are seeing difficult things happen in, in your families. Some of you guys are seeing difficult things where there's brokenness in your home, there's brokenness in your relationships. So I want to tell you guys that the reason we have peace as believers is not simply because Jesus is powerful and he does do miracles. He does. But can I tell you what a beautiful miracle is that I see every day? Is that Jesus is with us. Is that Jesus is present. Is that Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us. 
He knows your story. He knows what you're going through. He's not sitting there unaware. Like we said, he's sovereign, which means he already knows everything you're going through. In Psalm 139, it says, you have searched me and known me, God. You know when I sit down, or sit down, you know when I rise up, you know my thoughts from afar. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Everyone look at me. I want you to know that Jesus sees you. I want you to know that Jesus sees your circumstance. He sees the thing that you need peace for. He sees your doubt. He sees your struggle. And he's with you. He's with you. It doesn't always feel like a ton. It doesn't always, I don't always hear his voice when I'm going through things, but I have this assurance that if Jesus truly did die on the cross and raise again and give us the Holy Spirit, that means that he's with us, that his very presence is with us. So this is what I want to call you guys to do. You can come up to the front, get on your knees, you can stay in your, in your seat. But if you're going to be distracted where you are, I need you to move. If you're going to be distracted where you are, I need you to move over to the side of the room, come up to the front. This is what we're going to do. We're just going to worship for a few minutes. And I want us, as we sing this song fix your eyes on Jesus. Now you may wonder like, okay Pastor Mateo, that sounds good, but like, what, what does that what does that mean, to fix my eyes on Jesus? If you need to think of something, think of Jesus on the cross. Try, try to picture that. Jesus hanging on the cross for you, Dylan. Jesus hanging on the cross for you, Wilson. For you, Annabelle. For you, Ashley. Jesus hanging on the cross for you, Levi. And as you picture this, think about his love for you. God that loves you so much that his presence is literally with you. Now because his presence is with you, you have peace in every single thing that you are facing. And as we sing this song, I want you to declare this song over your fears over your anxieties. Jesus isn't telling you, get your act together and stop being scared. It's not who Jesus is. Jesus is saying, come to me. Come, come to me. Come grab for me. Because I'm with you. Because I've got you. Because I am your peace. So once again, if you need to get up and move, if you need to get down your knees, close your eyes, lift your hands, do whatever you need to do. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. So let's worship for a few minutes together. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.